Hello, and welcome back to the Man I Love Film podcast. I, I feel like I say that in the same rhythm every episode. You should just go crazy one time and be like, Welcome back to the Man I Love Film podcast. Like I'm Ryan Seacrest. Um, no, yeah. I'm not Ryan Seacrest. I'm Issa. And I'm Chell. Um, and this week we're doing Goodwill Hunting. I have gotten Dunkin' Donuts in honor of this movie. Uh, but before we get into that, what have you been up to? Uh, you know, being 23, I have been 23 these past few weeks so hard. I don't know how to explain it other than that. I feel like you turn 23 and low-key everything kind of goes down a little bit and you're like what is happening what is my life right now um what do you mean down i think i'm i it's not even down i think it's like a quarter life crisis and i think that this movie is like i don't know i really like this movie and i think it like not fed it but it made me feel like that's normal like a quarter life crisis in your 20 like early 20s specifically it makes sense and i I think that's what I'm rocking with right now is my quarter life crisis of like, we'll get into it later because the movie definitely has that element, but I don't know. I've been reading a lot and I think reading a lot and watching a lot of movies and just seeing a lot of stories kind of puts you in a mindset of like, or it puts me in a mindset of like, what am I doing? Do I... <laughs> do I love what I'm doing? Is it what I want to do for the rest of my life? What am I willing to give up to do what I love? And I think like reading people's stories and watching movies and seeing passion, it kind of, I don't know. That's that's what I've just been like processing recently. I've been seeing a lot of stuff. It's also fall. So the cold and it's a little darker in the mornings and it's darker in the evenings the earlier. Moon season. Yeah, so it's kind of like, I don't know, this is like my first actual fall, and it's going to be my first actual winter, and so it feels really weird, but yeah, it's kind of kind of what I've been up to, just working, trying to get to Thanksgiving. What about you? Uh, I also watched, interesting, this movie didn't give me, um, or feed into my own quarter-life crisis. <laughs> it's been going on for like three years now. <laughs> <laughs> um but i did watch a different movie but i did put it in my um things that i love this week so i'll wait until the end um okay but it's interesting that because i didn't pick up i see where you got it now but like watching this i didn't pick up um those vibes at all for me personally but yeah i guess my only update i haven't had much go on lately <laughs> But my only update is the SAG strike is finally over and they have reached some kind of agreement. So yay. And I'm so excited that everybody can like promote their stuff now because I want to see those Percy Jackson children. Do oh a my God. They're so cute. I want to see them just like talk about the behind the scenes. But yeah, I'm really happy. I, there's been so much bottoms content lately. Of just like Rachel Senate and Io like 
posting all of this stuff that they've just had to like hold back from yeah it's it like the little tiktoks and stuff are so funny but it's really exciting to see everyone kind of be like yeah y'all should see this i did it please yeah that's pretty much all all i did this week was sit around find out that the sag strike was over celebrate internally because nobody else cares (laughs) nobody else in my like current physical like reach but yeah would you like to summarize the or read the letterbox summary yeah let me pull it up i'm like sitting here like typing no oh <laughs> quick. so you did save me from having to watch free birds this <laughs> oh yeah because so we were, <laughs> we were debating what movie to watch and i know that it's not this week but next week i'll be flying back and so we'll probably see mocking or we'll see the new like hunger games movie and um i was like okay cool like let me think like what's a thanksgiving movie because I got to pick the movie this week and we all know we all know when I pick the movie we get a little let's say let's say niche Hmm. let's say a little just a little niche um we didn't get too niche this time it was I think I think Goodwill Hunting I'd been meaning to watch it and it's a fall movie so it just felt like um it just felt right also I heard it was really good so yeah so that's why we watch Goodwill Hunting. Uh, directed by Gus Van Sant, who directed quite a few other things. Um, it was from 97. Some people can never believe in themselves until someone believes in them. Will Hunting has a genius level IQ, but chooses to work as a janitor at MIT. When he solves a difficult graduate level math problem, his talents are discovered by Professor, is it Gerald? I just wrote Lambeau. Yeah, me too. Lambeau, who decides to help the misguided youth reach his potential. When Will is arrested for attacking a police officer, Professor Lambeau makes a deal to get leniency for him if he will get treatment from therapist Sean McGuire. Which, mm, it's okay. I, I do think that, like, Will Hunting does not necessarily choose to not work. Like, it, like he does not have a college education like like he's not choosing that he was put in a system basically will and his friends which include uh like it's like will and chucky really like him and his best friend which are matt damon and ben affleck they grew up south of boston like working class they, you know they hang out they're young hang out at bars and stuff they just kind of party they get in a little trouble fights things like that but they have a pretty close-knit friend group and will works nights cleaning at MIT or like just he works in general at MIT cleaning and there's a professor I think it was like a physics professor or math math in general math. yeah and he puts up this problem for his MIT students to find out and Will does it within like a day and then he puts a more advanced problem that took the professors years to find out and he does it again in a day um Will likes to read and like dedicate himself to just studying things. Just he picks it up really easily. And while this is happening, Will gets into a little more trouble where he goes to like they send him to jail. Um, 
and Professor Lambeau decides, I'm gonna find this kid, and because he's a prodigy, he's a, he's just a natural at it. And part of the deal is that he has to work in math and he has to go to therapy, which is very difficult because Will does not want to talk to any of these therapists. And I think there's good reason to not want to talk to them. Um, yeah, some of them. Some of them are just a little. <sighs> how could I put this? How, how did you feel about them? the first few therapists? Um, I mean, the first couple, I didn't really like process. I really mostly just processed the one that was like, close your eyes. <laughs> Imagine that you're standing in the house and he's like, I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> Which like, I, I was kind of like, why did he bring this guy in? No, real. I was like, you're a professor at MIT and don't knew, know like any decent like <laughs> therapist, like none. But they're like, there is one man we can try. And I'm like, why didn't you try him in the first place? No, and it was his personal friend, Lambo's personal like friend, ex roommate from college. And he's like, I guess we could try this guy. And I I've... guess it is implied that they've had like some sort of falling out. Yeah, because they were roommates in college, but like I don't know, th this Professor Lambeau guy is so like ho about you know taking Will under his wing that I would have thought he'd do anything. Yeah, so uh, Lambeau is played by Stellan Skarsgård, and Sean McGuire is the therapist he knows, uh, like older friend. I guess they knew each other when they were younger, and he's played by Robin Williams, and this is one of Robin Williams' most beloved i can't say like it is his top beloved because robin williams has such a good like catalog i think he does really well between comedy and like more serious films and this is a more serious movie um but he talks to sean and basically what he's asking him to work with sean he's, he's like you like you'll get each other and sean is like why and lebo's like you know you're both like working class that was like the answer. <laughs> like that was what he gave. I was like, "What?" I don't know. I think I've been. I I um. The other day I watched uh or yesterday I saw the movie The Holdovers, and I think I've been wanting to go see that. Yeah, I think it has a lot of really similar themes, of like, education and privilege, and I think that underlies the movie quite a bit of like there is a disconnect between the general of America and these like top 1% people and top 1% like not even top 1%. The divide is becoming so evident that it's like, I don't know, like people who go to very prestigious universities and stuff like that. There is like this outsider thing of like if your parents don't come from money and stuff like that. And it's just so, it's like such a repeated trend in movies and stuff. But like, I don't know, just like watch every time it happens in a movie and the rich person's like, oh, it's because you're both like not rich. <laughs> it's your only common denominator. Yeah. So at first, Will is trying to like mess with Sean and being like, it's such a little failure. Like, look at your ugly pain thing. Yeah. He's and kind of good at like, picking out people's like insecurities basically like mm -hmm. i mean towards the end especially you kind of forgive him for being a piece of shit but like but before yeah. you get to that point like i'm like you're so 
But yeah, like they go to this bar and uh, Chucky's hitting on this girl and he's like, yeah, I think I had a class with you. And she's like, oh, yeah, what class? And he's like, history. <laughs> and then this like Harvard guy starts making fun of him and Will kind of like tells him off by kind of like anticipating all of the jargon that he's about to like pull out word for word from some book that he read. Um, and so he kind of starts doing that with Sean just by like looking around his classroom. Mm -hmm. He commits the same sin of just regurgitating stuff. Um, but yeah, and Sean still decides to see him again, even after he he just he says some pretty mm, nasty things about a man who has lost his wife. Huh. Which he he doesn't know that, but like still yeah, but yeah, like I don't know, man. A man tells you don't talk about my wife. Mm mm mm. You know, men have got slapped at the Oscars for talking about people's <laughs> wives. <laughs> so that's all I'm saying. Will got away pretty scoffed free. <laughs> Matt Damon got an Oscar for talking about someone's wife. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, he continues seeing Sean. Or sorry, yeah. Will continues seeing Sean, and Sean continues seeing Will. Uh, the second time they meet, Sean basically lays it out on him, and he's like, "Listen here, youngin." And it's like, it's one of the best monologues, I think, of this movie. I really, really like that monologue that he delivers. In a way, saying that Will is overcompensating for his lack of experience in the real world by diving himself and understanding these concepts, but not feeling them. Like, he could talk about art and, like, all these things, but he's never seen it and felt it. And, like, really taken it in for himself. Or, like, something is, like, he talks about, books and stuff and he talks about love and how Sean truly does not get it or sorry Will doesn't get it and we see through the movie how he progresses to learn these things you know and so they keep seeing each other and it comes to the point where Will is also seeing a girl and they're dating and she's from Harvard and she's gonna go to med school and things are going pretty well and I feel like the story comes to a breaking point when Lambeau is trying to get Will to go to these jobs, like very important big jobs, and Will is not taking it seriously. And Sean is trying, Sean and Lambeau have a, a dicey history where Lambeau thinks that Sean is a failure and Sean is dealing with his own issues of trying to move forward with his life past his wife's passing. And also kind of confronting this, like, will others think I'm a failure kind of thing? And, like, anger towards Lambeau. And so they're kind of pulling at Will and each other. And Will just decides, you know what? I'm going to go back to work. <laughs> and I'm going to break up with my girlfriend who asked me to move to California with her. Yeah, basically, like, in different ways, his girlfriend... Lambo and Sean all kind of tell him like yeah you didn't choose to have this like photographic memory 
but you're kind of like wasting a lot of great opportunities by not you know because he he goes on this tangent about how you know the job that he's doing right now which is construction and the job that he was doing before as a janitor are both like honorable jobs and everyone understands that that's true but it's he's not like that's not why he took those jobs that's not what he wants to do with the rest of his life and they all know that and they all can see through that as just like a deflection and then it takes Ben Affleck aka Chucky uh to kind of be like because everyone's been framing it as like oh you're letting yourself down um but chucky is like you're letting me down because i would kill for like all of the opportunities that you're getting without even having to try Mm -hmm. i really liked that like out of all of the people it was his best friend that had to tell him that and specifically like the way that he had to tell them that yeah i in my mind earlier when Sean is asking Will and he's like who is your soulmate who is the person that really you know challenges you and you're you know you're you're gonna listen even though you don't like it and they they push you and it kind of leads to them having a really big argument because Will is giving him like these like blatant ideas just to kind of like get him off of his back of like oh these philosophers oh like these friends or like whatever like oh my like not even mentioning his girlfriend or whatever and the biggest people in this movie who really do challenge him like the person who does it is chucky like that is in a way his soulmate i think it's it's really cute how like his friend is the only person who you know they never have this conversation but he's like challenging him in that moment and Will doesn't want to hear it, but he's still willing to hear out Chucky because Chucky is the one who's challenged, who is challenging him in that moment, and he's willing to listen. It's like that is his soulmate in this movie. Like in this part of his life, that is the person who is challenging him. And at the end of the movie, when he goes off to go to his girlfriend, you know, we we understand that she is his future wife. Basically, is the implication of the movie, and like she will challenge him as well. But what he needed right now was his best friend who was his soulmate in that moment who would like stand up for him and like give his life for his best friend. Also in that moment be like, you're being an idiot. And he's the only person who can get through to Will in that moment. Yeah, I think that his girlfriend Skylar has the opportunity to be that person. And it almost feels like he's like about to say her right before they have that like confrontation between him and Sean. Um, Hmm. But you know, ultimately, he hasn't let her into all of the aspects or most of the yeah. aspects of his life. And so he kind of is just like, oh, you wouldn't you wouldn't be saying all of this if you knew what I was really like and what I've been through. Um, and it's just like it requires the amount of like trust and stability that him and Chucky have developed for him to actually like listen to somebody. Yeah. So after that kind of breakthrough will takes his life a little more seriously of like oh like i should be you know figuring out what i want um which i really like because it's not what lambo wants it's not you know it's what he wants so he starts looking into the jobs and he keeps seeing sean and at the end of the movie he runs off to go find his girlfriend like in california 
and and like that's his choice you know he reflects on it and and him and sean really get through a big breakthrough of like what happened to you in your past was not your fault like you didn't deserve that and like you're free to make your own choices I had seen that scene before on like TikTok mm-hmm. or something and I didn't know what it was from and it when it came up I was like I had also yeah. seen um the fight between him and Skylar before mm-hmm. and I didn't realize that that was this movie either. Yeah. I those are like the two biggest I think emotional scenes. I think the scene at the end where he's just telling him and he's like it's not your fault. It just it's kind of like you know, I think people can tell you that, but until you start to believe it, which is like what happens in the scene that like Will actually trusts Sean and believes him in that moment because they've previously shared that they both kind of had, you know, experiences with a, a similar, not the same, like a very similar traumatic past. And it's just like, it's only very powerful because Will actually believes it in that moment. But yeah. What did you like? What really stood out to you? Um, well, I love Minnie Driver. <laughs> and she plays the girlfriend. Um, but I guess Matt Damon did really stand out to me, especially in that one scene. Cause I mean, I, I think there's some kind of like acting exercise where you're literally saying the same thing over and over, but you're supposed to like like move through different emotions. Um, mm-hmm. which like is not quite exactly what's happening in this scene. It's more like Robin Williams is saying the same thing over and over, and then yeah. Matt Damon has to like gradually go from one emotion to the next. But I still thought it was like super impressive. I can't remember if he got nominated for an Oscar for for specifically best actor. Um, but I know that Robin Williams one best supporting actor and I, apparently it's his only oscar win which is crazy i also loved how bostonian it was <laughs> i i thought that it was just like really lucky that ben affleck got casted but then i found out that they wrote this and i was like that yeah. makes so much more sense ben affleck and matt damon wrote it together was it Gone Girl, where he was supposed to wear like a Yankees cap or something, and he like halted production because he refused to wear a Yankees cap. I can't with that man. No, if we're in a sassy man epidemic right now, (laughs) he was patient zero. I, you know, Ben Ben Affleck's character getting Matt Damon's character Duncan in the morning. That there. This is so them. I do you think they that they are each other's Do you think that made. it was like placement at all, or was it just No, have you seen Ben Affleck and his Duncan addiction? Have you seen him spilling all those Duncan? That's all just of him. The paparazzi photos. I bet they asked him to be like a spokesperson and he was so excited. He probably jumped for joy and said, Yippee. Like the ad with him and Ice Spice every Ice time Spice. I see it. I was like these two yeah. don't belong in the same universe in my mind. No real. I I I knew that Ben and Matt had written this movie and the Ben Affleck Matt Damon movies 
honestly, I think they're good writers. Um, like they did win the Academy Award for Best Screenplay uh, for this, which they they were really young. If you look at their award winning pictures, like they were very young. Um, I kind of love them together. I think they're just so they like they really are friends. You know what I mean? Like. It's it's kind of sweet. And I think that the direction in this movie is also really good. There's some moments where I don't understand why we're why we're why we're putting the camera behind people to like 360. Um which which is one note I have. I think there's other moments that I really like. So when Sean, Robin Williams character, is telling the um baseball game story and he's talking about you know they're like standing up and they're talking and they're so excited about this baseball game and it kind of pans back and forth from them and then sean is imitating the running from the bases and we see we look down on the scene and there's like four chairs in his office and they're like the four bases of the baseball game and he's running um and just like that one clip of the camera looking down on them and it looks like a little baseball field and he's running and Will is like watching him do this. I really like that scene. I just like the way it looks. I like the way that they chose to do that. It just, I really enjoyed it. And then Will is like, oh my gosh, you were at that baseball game? And he was like, no. Yeah. I had to see about a girl. And then later yeah. Will uses that line and it's so good. It's so good. It's so great. Um, I think that the way the writing, it reminds me a little, like, I'm not going to say it's the best writing in the world. Like, it's not, it's not like, you know, I really like movies where people are just talking and it's just dialogue. And I think this is one of those movies where it's like, I like hearing the people talk. Um, and, and I think it's really great writing. It's not one of those, like, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bet my life on this being the best script of all time. But it reminds me a lot more of movies from the 70s or even the early 80s. It just feels like a different time of writing. More like movies like The Graduate, which I think is even earlier than that. But it's it's so weird to hear the way the script is written coming from a 20-something Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and hearing that they wrote this. And it sounds so reminiscent of those older movies. And it feels like it should be an older movie. I don't know why 1997 seems so late for this movie. I think in my head, just like maybe visually or the way it feels, it just, I don't, I don't know. It's, I do um, think that there's something very like early nineties about the score. <laughs> like, yeah, definitely. I feel like nowadays there's a lot of moments in this movie that wouldn't be backed by music at all. Um, but in this movie, like, there will be very <laughs> serious scenes that are, like, backed by the most, like, Gilmore Girls music I have ever heard. Um, Which, like, I'm sure at the time was, like, no one would have bat an eye. But I'm like, why are we on the front porch of this dilapidated house? And, like, the music in the background is, like, sha-la-la-la. <laughs> <laughs> But apparently it was done by Danny Elfman. And who am I to say that Danny Elfman <laughs> could ever do wrong? No 
I think we could say Danny Elfman has done wrong. I can't come up with a specific example, but I remember watching a movie and he did the music. And at some point, I was like, "All right, let's calm down, Mr. Elfman." Let's I calm I, down. I immediately associate him with like Nightmare Before Christmas. So for some reason, I thought he only did like scores for spooky movies. No. <laughs> but like every other time, I'll look at the score of a movie. I'm like, oh. You're here. Real. Real. He's done he's done a lot. I can't remember what movie it was that I was like, all right, let's chill. But apparently yeah, there was also kind of- a lot of Elliot Smith, but I don't really listen to Elliot Smith, so either. But yeah. Hmm. I'm trying to think. I have I have little notes. I've been I didn't watching have a, a lot, lot of, of notes. Oh really? Hmm? Yeah. I feel like that's the difficult thing about watching like a solid movie. <laughs> It's like I'm like no notes. Although it was, um, there were moments where I'm like, this is a bit outdated. Yeah, no, definitely. I and think also that's just why a product like of it movie. being written by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. True, true. Um, I thought something that was really interesting that they bring up is the concepts of war and veterans and like capitalism and colonialism. And like money for American suffering, particularly when um, Will is interviewing to work for the government, and and then it cuts into the therapy room. Like if it's a very tight cut, like immediately we just like are in the therapy room. Same, and um, I don't know. I kind of this is where I get the midlife crisis thing, where I feel like sometimes, or not midlife, sorry, quarter life crisis, as I like to call it. We we aim high. But I feel like therapy and the conversations I have today, like at 23, kind of are melding like this crisis of the world and the state of our country and what my place is in in it. And like, I don't know how to hold it in. Like, how can we hold in seeing war and seeing society fail us? And like people just like a little older than us, like millennials. And like failing the most vulnerable people in our society, but also the world. And like, how do you take up a job or a career that contributes to the chaos and the suffering of others? And like, how can people look down at everyone else and like live with it? But also like thinking like what's worse is thinking that they do see it and they don't care. And I think that that whole like interview turned therapy session really encapsulates that feeling of like what am i doing what is going on like how do i play as a cog in this machine that hurts people and like i think it's very prevalent to what's happening today obviously with like what's going on in the middle east and like watching and hearing about a genocide happening and like how can i help how how is like especially being american citizens like how do we contribute to the pain and suffering of people across the world and i think that's that's where i got the quarter life crisis feeling is like that moment yeah i started in engineering and then i switched to geology and both of those like majors are completely surrounded by like the oil industry Mm -hmm. and so you know 
you're constantly watching like all of your peers and yourself sometimes struggle with like these are my only job opportunities and you don't really know that when you pick a major at like 16 17 you know mm -hmm. and then before you know it like you've you're you're like in the middle of it you've already spent like tens of thousands of dollars on this degree and now you're like what do I even want to do and luckily I've been able to find something that is not involved <laughs> in all of that um but it's like it's a dilemma that I've seen a lot of people have to deal with and then also just like it's very much like that scene from the good place where they're like oh no one has gone to heaven in like a while because they have this like point system and they're like oh you bought these flowers for your wife and you got like five points but those flowers were picked by like this person who's being underpaid and like all of this other stuff and I feel like especially in your early 20s like that's the moment where you're kind of like I mean you know it's for sometimes earlier than that but like yeah everyone talks about like high school to college being this transition from childhood to adulthood but lately I've been like I feel like college to the like working world is more like shocking. <laughs> Not that I've never had a mm -hmm. job before, but like you're in your own community and your own bubble. And so it's more startling to be like, to go from that to going to like, yeah, you're waking up every morning at 9am and yeah, I don't know. I could start <laughs> an entire like tangent, <laughs> but yeah. It's just like, oh, the coffee that I bought is contributing to like this or that. And like, uh, it's, yeah. And I think it also kind of like, like how you brought in engineering and how it's like a huge joke that engineers end up at Lockheed Martin. Like, and we all know what Lockheed Martin does. Like, we all know how they contribute to harm against like specifically brown and black people across the world in the name of like American colonialism basically and imperialist actions and it kind of connects to the movie of this idea of like higher academia like Lambeau and Sean having a problem with each other because Lambeau is like contributing and like acclaimed by these awards and stuff like that and like in fields like that through engineering and stuff like how do you get this acclaim like how how do you how do you like look like a success and like for a lot of people it's money and to look like a success is to kind of feed into these systems i think this idea of like how sean chose to live his life and he's like you think i'm a failure limbo because i didn't like get an award i didn't like pursue this like higher thing like making the money making the stuff like he works teaching at a community college and Lambeau works teaching at MIT. And it's like, you know, even just being at these high prestigious universities, where are these people sending their money? Where are these higher institutions? Like they're so involved in politics and they're so involved in these things. And because they're institutions, they're like institutions. And it's just like, but who is deemed like a success? And like, what does that success cost you? Clearly Will is seeing it happen. Like Lambo is very focused on like getting him into therapy, but not for his own well-being, but just so that like he can like, you know, I guess sort his shit out, which I guess he thinks is like a one and done kind of deal um, so that he can just like work as this like machine 
and be exploited for his like natural abilities um and he's just like he constantly is drilling into him like oh you're throwing all of this away and like i would kill to have what you have but you're setting him up to like work for these companies that it's like what is he contributing to society by working for these places that you're like mm -hmm. pushing him to go towards so like are you really doing this for him or like I don't even understand how you could be doing it for yourself honestly because it's just like you're not really gaining anything from it yeah it's like I don't know and then they have this huge argument like Lambo and Sean and at the end they make up but it's you know they both chose to live and experience I think what success is and what success means to them because also I think definitely Sean although he it's like he would not do it any other way like he wouldn't redo his life any other way there still is a sense of like you know his friend from college thinks he's a failure like the look in his eye and stuff like that but yeah that was all I really had to say about the movie I I did really enjoy it I thought it was pretty good with that it? being said um let's just do stars i can't think of oh wait no 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 <laughs> how many cups of dunkin donuts coffee i would oh. give it i would give it four for the writing i also gave it four were there any letterbox reviews that you like oh uh, yeah let me pull them up this one's by kiara kiara i can't read the name sorry goodwill hunting they gave him five stars and liked it and said we'll never be able to wrap my head around the fact that the <laughs> mad damon and ben affleck wrote this screenplay they literally look like they have one brain cell between the two of them i picked that one too <laughs> it's so funny it's so good what else did you pick oh you didn't have any other ones i have two more you can go ahead okay um this one's by will who gave it four stars and liked it incredibly well written i knew it was going to be good but not that good probably matt damon's best performance and robin williams was just amazing yeah i really like robin williams performance in this one i think it was very very good i don't think it could be matched and my last one was by david james and his begins with the quote um that Sean and Will when they're sitting outside and he's like telling him basically like you know if I asked you about art you'd probably give me the skinny on every art book ever written it's like Michelangelo like it's like the whole monologue and they said this movie stung me as a miserable teenager who nonetheless thought of myself secretly above all those normies around me especially as a smart kid who was two grades ahead in math but still a complete idiot when it came to relationships navigating the world having any sort of real plan when it came to the future i ended up spending my 20s dropping out of college and crisscrossing the country in pursuit of love getting into drugs and wasting any money i happened to cobble together i remember watching this with my parents practically feeling the heat rating off the screen as robin williams therapist tries to convey the difference between knowledge and experience to a young will hunting and it, it goes on uh i'm now a 40 year old man who's lost everything more than once and watched his parents die and spent the entirety of the last winter in the hospital room across the state with his ailing wife life happily kicked the shit out of me and i come back to the scene far closer as the old man's perspective as i feel a new kind of warmth in his brutal but affectionate takedown of a cocky kid's ego this movie made me tear up multiple times i was unapologetically swept up 
in its melodrama and its swaggering charisma. I crumbled during the it's not your fault scene. I'm helpless in the face of earnest love, forgiving, and understanding. I've been through some shit, and sometimes it just feels really nice to get a cinematic hug. And I just really, I really love that quote. Like, I really loved that review. It did move me genuinely. I was listening to you reading such like a thoughtful review while trying to kill a spider. Oh my god! But I, I was listening though. Uh, this one is by Michael, who gave it five stars, um, and he struggled with the same thing that I did a little bit, and he goes, possible interpretations of the title, good, Will Hunting, who is someone that is good, why? <laughs> that would be Will Hunting, of course. Um, And then the other one is good, comma, Will Hunting. Where the interpretation is, good job, Will Hunting. You are a good boy. Yeah, I was... Because, like, I had always heard about this movie, and then I found out that his name was Will Hunting, and I was like, good Will Hunting. Good Will Hunting? (laughs) (laughs) It feels like one of those posters from when you're a kid where they're like, commas matter. Let's eat grandma. Let's eat grandma. (laughs) Yeah, but like in no way that I can imagine spinning this title doesn't make sense to me. But I guess I'm not like the big movie hotshots, so <laughs> I'll keep my mouth shut, I guess. Um it won an Oscar, I guess, you know. So um and then I won't read this whole thing because it's really long. Um, but Alex Mower gave it half star, which don't know where that came from, but um, he goes, good movie. However, the film was plagued by many janitorial inaccuracies. And then he goes into like, <laughs> say long explanation about like the hierarchy of janitorial staff and the different jobs and things that you would be given as like, I guess, a lackey janitor as opposed to like, an upper level janitor and I was like eh, all right I feel like that is could have given it so... more than half a star <laughs> <laughs> the crimes against janitorial staffing weird enough um but yeah I'll just no, read because... part of it it says despite <laughs> this being the crudest and simplest form of custodial work he makes an absolute mockery of it by splashing water on the shoes of students standing nearby. I was about to say, the way he mops in that scene, it's like he's never mopped in his life. I was like, why is he digging it straight out of the bucket? Wring it out a little. God. That, so this reminded me of high school when we were cleaning, like, the portable or something. And we were all mm-hmm. sweeping. First of all, there were, like, four of us sweeping, which is not necessary. Although maybe it was because you were, like... You told someone, I don't remember who, you were like, have you never swept before? (laughs) Wait, okay. Uh, You know what's really crazy about this? Multiple people have told me about this again and again. Like, (laughs) you don't remember it? No, I remember it. I don't remember who I was talking to. I meant it very calmly, very chill. But I guess I was not a direct person in high school. So this moment really stood out to people. You weren't mean about it. It was just funny. 
like I don't know what what about that moment really got people, but I you know what it had to have been that they were sweeping so horrendously. I had to make a point to bring it up, like it just had to be. And from that moment on, I was like, "How am I sweeping? Am I sweeping properly? I got to make sure I'm sweeping properly if I'm ever sweeping in front of." <laughs> I just feel like they probably were sweeping. I remember they were sweeping in a way that they weren't even capturing the dirt. I was like, what is, how are you even, like, have you ever swept a floor before? But yeah. What, uh, what was your recast? Ooh, okay. Here, let's see. It's not my best work, okay? But I tried. Okay. So, for Will, I put Dylan Minnette, which I feel like I haven't seen him in many things lately i feel like he's been focusing on his band wallows a lot more in the past like few years um but he's like a decent actor and like i feel like i've seen him cry a lot so i i was like i feel like he could do well um like i can just imagine him being wrapped in the arms of like a a guiding figure <laughs> You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. Um, although, yeah, I don't know. This this casting isn't very cohesive because while I can imagine each person in the role that I assigned them to, I can't necessarily imagine all of them interacting, but I had a hard time, so nobody come for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, for Sean, I was looking for someone who was like a comedian that is kind of trying to do more serious stuff um because i feel like that's kind of like what the case was with robin williams and so my immediate thought is like adam sandler but i feel like he's kind of like like you know not done to death but like (laughs) let's pick something someone else you know um so i picked keegan michael key interesting like i haven't seen him do anything like super serious he's done Mm -hmm more acting he's in the willy wonka movie please do Um, not bring up that movie (laughs) but um i was like i don't know let's give him a shot so i put him and then i was like okay for lambeau i have to think of someone who is about the same age um i don't know if they're actually the same age but paul rudd doesn't age so i picked paul rudd because he plays like these future figures a lot but usually in like positive context and like Stellan Skarsgård um not not in everything because in Mamma Mia he's just like a fun loving guy but in this movie like you can very much see how he could easily become like not not sinister like the guy's not that evil in this movie but like you know what I mean like he's using Will for his own gain and I think it would be interesting to see Paul Rudd in a role like that because I think that the way that he gets typecast would kind of make the audience like more predisposed to trust him which would make you know the evolution of his character more disappointing I guess not disappointing in like a development way but like disappointing in like if he were a real person way i don't know if that makes any sense um for skylar i put liza soberano she is a filipina actress and i think she's been getting into like more um u.s roles i think she's she either is from the u.s or she 
was born in the Philippines and like has lived partly here. I'm not 100% sure. Nobody quote me. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just thought that she like her acting style um, mm-hmm. would fit Skylar. And she's like also very pretty. And I was like Filipino representation. <laughs> um, and then for Chucky, I put Skylar Gizondo, who plays Jared from Booksmart. Um, I think it would be a little difficult because Jared kind of has baby face, but like, I I guess maybe you could argue that Ben Affleck also has baby face in this movie. I just like, I, I have like adult Ben Affleck in my mind so much that like, I'm not really processing how baby they look. You didn't Um, care about him until he put on the mask. (laughs) I actually cared about him less once he put on that mask. Um, but yeah, so that was all of my people. What about you? I felt really similarly about like I don't know how this conglomerate of people would work together. I, there might have to be twists and edits. Um, uh, for to start out, Lambeau, Starzard stays, not Stellan, but one of his that. sons. Oh, oh, we're just picking the oldest one. Put him in the movie. <laughs> He's got how many? Like ten of them. Yeah, like let's just pick one, send them in. Just you like send them reap in. them. <laughs> You're like the top. Yeah, <laughs> we pick. <laughs> That's how I feel when they choose a creepy, uh, like a creepy villain. They're like, you know what? Let's put all the scars guards name in here. Pick one. Let's just like you know pull them out of the hat, and then and then Stellan is like, you have been sent, my boy, and then he sends them to America to film a movie. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I would do. For Sean, had a hard time. I think, like, the age difference here will be apparent. Um, because the Scars Guards are not that old. I think the oldest one's, like, maybe hitting 50. But we're going to let it rock. We're going to let it ride. I chose Jack Black. Oh, I think, I, oh, dang it. That's really good. I really like him as, I think... In things like School of Rock, where there's like a little bit more serious moments with the kids and stuff like that, I really think he could do, like it would never be the same as for Robin Williams, but I think that he could do a more serious role and do really well at it. Um, And I think he would be able to portray it in a way that's authentic, you know? So I chose him. And uh, for Skylar... I chose Yara Shahidi because she is a Harvard girl. Uh. Harvard girl. She's a Harvard girly. And, you know, I think I think she would do it really well. Like, just the way Skylar acts and stuff like that. I think she'd do really well. Um, for Will and Chucky, I had our time. I want two young men that are actually kind of close to being friends. Um and I need them to be in there. I need them to be young. I want them to be kind of baby faced because I think it hits a little less hard these like the story a bit at some points because we're not seeing Matt Damon as a little kid. And like the story really is about a kid who was failed by the system and like people who should have been caring for him and loved him. And now people are trying to use him for his intellect. And I think that story is like a lot stronger if you have a real 20 year old because at the end of the movie, will turns 21 um but yeah i threw around the idea of having um 
either set of the Gumball and Darwin boys. That would be really good, actually. And they're hitting like 20s. They're hitting their 20s now. So I think that might work really well. The two of them to be hate yeah. Chucky and Will. I think the kid that voices Gumball has the sass required. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think that they would do it. So I think that would, that was my recasting. Okay. What did you love this week? I love that one guy that does Fortnite songs and yeah. Loki they keep like he does like Fortnite <laughs> like covers of songs but they keep getting better like they, they are actually genuinely getting better i sent you a couple of them last night how did you feel they were pretty good i do feel inspired to write my own i don't we don't play my, yeah we don't play fortnite but i did play minecraft so mm. i feel very inspired to come to the next episode uh minecraft parody in hand to deliver to you Ooh, okay with I no promises let's see <laughs> but yeah i'm i'm kind of obsessed with him like they keep coming up my for you page and they're getting better like every single one is, it's like getting better and to the audience who hasn't seen them you may be thinking like oh these kind of corny like um no they're like actual cover Like this is a man I trust parody. This one gonna hop on four when I get home. I'm gonna invite you. Like tell me that's not a pretty good parody. The emotional range of this episode is insane. <laughs> it's big Bill Villa Jaw on TikTok. <laughs> this one, let's see this Radiohead cover. Let's see. <laughs> I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. I, I feel like I open my phone and there's a new one every day. I I don't I don't follow people usually on TikTok, but I follow him because I want to see him. I, keep them coming, keep them coming. But yeah, I've been I've loved that this week. Um, this week '90s Keanu Reeves, '90s Keanu Reeves. This is for you, babe. The kids miss you. If you're please listening, come home. If you're listening, please come home. Um, literally love him. I watched Point Break this week. I feel like 90s Keanu Reeves, when he acts, he acts very physically. I think like his body and his face and the way he looks is in character. But the minute he opens his mouth, I feel like he's 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 like little poogie Keanu Reeves. I just, I feel like he's not acting at that point. I don't know why. He just sounds kind of goofy. Um, but love him, love him. He, he, I feel like his voice is always giving the same character. I think that's it. Um, <clears throat> other things that I've loved this week, I saw the holdovers. It really, I really liked it. I think visually beautiful, and I think the performances done by the three cast members incredible. 
super good. Makes me want to smoke cigarettes winner. Um, I've seen it talked about a lot in the context of like Oscar nominations. Um, and so I kind of thought that it like I was imagining a movie more like what you're describing. But in all of the trailers that I've seen for it, it feels like it's being advertised as like like a very straightforward comedy. No. It it is very much I would say more of a drama. There are comedic moments, but the story is really is is serious. It is is a lot more serious. It reminds me a lot of like something like Dead Poets Society. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, the vibe and like the concept sounded very Dead Poet Society. Yeah, I would I would definitely say it's more like that. It's winter, it's Christmas movie. Um, but I thought it was it was really beautifully done. And I really enjoyed it. I didn't watch any of the trailers. I think I saw a, cl- a video on TikTok by like a smaller like movie person. Not even like a movie person. It was just a- an account I'd never seen before. And they were like, hey, this movie seems like it's going to be really good this year. Like, maybe you should check it out. And then I had time yesterday, so I just went and saw the movie. It was like a matinee. And I really enjoyed it. I really ended up liking it. So that was something. Um, last thing I'm obsessed with, Snoopy in winter, the CVS little Snoopy with the puffer jacket. I'm wearing Snoopy pajama pants that I got at Target. And I love them. They are my favorite. I love... I'm just feeling so Snoopy core this year. This is 23. What what do you love this week? Man, I love Publix turkey cranberries. <laughs> what? Literally, the second that Halloween is over, I run to Publix to see if they have the turkey cranberry subs again. If, if they are like my pumpkin spice latte while everybody's over at starbucks which like make your own coffee right now or just don't support starbucks but um yeah i'm at Publix. dude i'm gonna have to get my little my little grubby hands on one of those the way you're talking about it (laughs) okay (laughs) which now that i'm saying the starbucks Publix comparison just by the nature of Publix being a southern place I probably will have to look into whether <laughs> I should still be getting cranberry True. subs. But if not, I'll be making my own cranberry subs. They are so good. Oh, also, delicious. I've been, uh, I watched, I rewatched Tick Tick Boom recently, mm-hmm. um, which like a lot of people not necessarily like hate it, um, but they, don't love it in comparison to like the original cast recording and i feel like that's very mm-hmm. much a product of like having listened to the original first because i like my i had heard of it before but like my first real exposure to that musical was through the movie which first of all i feel like i can't always bash on like musical movies and how good of an adaptation they are too much because they do make musical theater like way more accessible because it's like a very inaccessible art form um i thought it was like really good which like (laughs) hate to give lin-manuel miranda the credit but like you know (laughs) um and so that's the movie that's been kind of like feeding into my quarter life crisis recently because the whole thing is about him Mm -hmm. 
about to turn 30 and like he's listing all of these people who have done like xyz before they turned 30 or like even like in their mid-20s or things like that and like the reason that I had been inspired to watch it again recently is because um our local theater is about to do a production of it and I've never auditioned for anything before but there's some things where I'm very tempted to I would have to find somebody though who can like play piano that I can practice with We'll, we'll see I don't know it depends on whether or not I can work up courage. But um yeah, so I've just been like binging it a lot. And then I was like, let me watch the movie. And then I was like, oh no, should I have done this? I think I'm having a crisis. Um but yeah, I think it's really good. And like Andrew Garfield in that movie, Chef's Kiss, even Vanessa Hudgens, like honestly, everybody in that movie, like, but especially like so Andrew Garfield sounds very similar in my opinion to at least in some parts to um the original cast recording but mm-hmm. flame me burn me boil me at the stake <laughs> you know um I think Vanessa Hudgens and Alexandra Ship sound a little better than the girl who originally uh plays Susan um mm-hmm. and that might just be because of like you know 20 years of advanced technology recording their voices but I don't know there's some like specific choices and or direction that I personally think make them sound better um yeah and then last but not least so still eating away at those Hunger Games books I've got like a little under 100 pages of Mockingjay left and like everyone's favorite movie and book is Catching Fire right yeah. But I think in my grown age, Mockingjay oh. might be my favorite. Dang. Because so I'm like annotating all of them, right? And mm-hmm. um the first book doesn't have like a whole lot of tabs because it's very much just kind of like laying the groundwork. Um, but Catching yeah. Fire and Mockingjay have had a lot of tabs. And like Catching Fire is like in I'm tabbing things like Kita and Katniss moments <laughs> like you know like, like hints of the rebellion and stuff but like Mockingjay is so like explicitly political like all of the books are very political but like Mockingjay yeah. is like it's insane like I I was like I remember things you know obviously from like reading them in middle school but this is the first time that I've read them since then and like um you know like so many things just like fly over your head you know and so this time around it's been like so I don't even know if I can necessarily say fun because it's like it's it's dark (laughs) at some points how like honestly like Susan Collins belongs in like when people list like George Orwell and all of these other people like she belongs up there and she's only not up there because she's a woman and because there's this like love triangle and there's like oh you know what I have to stop I have to stop (laughs) I'm gonna get into like things that I'll probably want to talk about when we actually do the Hunger Games but yeah like Mm -hmm. I don't know she just deserves her flowers and I've been really enjoying 
going through those books even though I've said it for like the past like three episodes it's just like uh, it truly feels like I've never read them before I love that I love that for you I've been meaning to get around to them I think when I go home for the holidays I might pick up my collection from my sister and and do it just to do it you're welcome to borrow my tabbed ones and bring them back <laughs> true, 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 true like you'll you'll just see notes here and there of like me writing down giggling and kicking feet I love that I love that though and then sometimes I'll go on like like at the end of a chapter I'll write like an entire paragraph of like an analysis <laughs> and then it'll go back to like giggling and kicking my feet <laughs> I love that man anyway, I love film <laughs>